How are you feeling today? Good? All right, come on, 11.15. I know you've had at least three cups of coffee already, right? Come on, how are we feeling today? Good? Amen, amen. Well, hey, if I haven't had the chance to meet you, like Pastor Tim said, uh, my name is Jesse, and I have the great honor and privilege of being our next-gen pastor here at X Church, which, if you're not familiar with what those words mean, uh, basically, I just get to help lead and oversee our kids in youth ministry. And so, if you're maybe newer to our church, and you've got a kid back in X Kids, or you've got a teenager in X Youth, or maybe hasn't connected yet to one of those ministries, uh, I would love to meet you after the experience to help make that connection. Uh, are you ready for a word today? Yes. And I hope so, because... Uh, I'm a pretty even keel guy. It takes a lot for me to get sad. It takes a lot for me to get riled up. But there is something about today's message that I'm fired up to share. So I hope you're ready to receive it. And that's because I get the great honor and privilege to share about something that's very near and dear to the heart of our church. But before I get started, I want to make one clarifying note. One of the things that I love about this place is that week in and week out, there are people that come to this church that would probably say they don't believe in Jesus. They don't believe what we believe, or maybe uh, they're just not sure about what they think about this whole Jesus guy, and they're trying to sort it out. And please hear me, if that's you today, and you're kind of not sure where you stand on this whole faith thing, or you're sure where you stand, and you stand opposite it, uh, please know, I'm so glad you're here. And church, we are glad you're here, amen? amen. We want this to be a place where you can come, even if you don't believe what we believe, and you can belong here, be a part of a community. But today I want to give you kind of a pass because today I'd like to speak to specifically the people that are following Jesus. You would say, hey, I'm following Christ with my life. And specifically, I want to talk to the people that would call X Church home because today I'd like to talk about what our mission is as a church. And it's been cool over the past couple years, there have been so many new people come to be a part of what God is doing here at X Church. But it also makes me wonder how many of you maybe didn't know until Pastor Tim said it a minute ago that we actually have a mission as a church, and just in case you missed it, I'm gonna go ahead and put it up on the screen. It's helping people get on the path to God. Why don't everybody, you just say that with me. Helping people get on the path to God. All right, say it like we all know it. Helping people get on the path to God. That is why we exist as a church. And like Pastor Tim said, that language is really intentional, that we believe faith is just more than a decision we make one time, but it's a journey that we walk out over the course of our life. And so we as a church exist to help people who are far from God, or maybe sometimes I'll say they're on the path, but they're going the wrong direction, get on the path towards knowing and loving God. And can I just tell you, there are so many things that I love about our church. I've said at least two of them already. I love that my boys come to church and they love ex-kids and my oldest son, Milo, his four, just loves church, loves everything about church because when I was four, I didn't love everything about church. But he loves it and he comes and I love that we have an incredible worship team, amen? I love that our space is beautiful. I love that we do fun events. I love so many things. But if you were to ask me what my favorite thing about our church is, it's that right there, that we are a church about helping people get on the path to God because let me tell you, that's not always the case in church. I think it's sometimes maybe easy for churches and followers of Christ to maybe almost become blind to the fact that there are people still around us that are living without the hope that we've found. You know, we get so excited when Jesus finds us and we give our lives to him and we just jump in feet first and we so quickly maybe just get so involved in church world that we maybe forget that there's a whole group of people that we are rubbing shoulders with every single day that are living without the hope that we have found. 
And so I'd like to talk about today, but I'd actually like to take that thought a step further because I believe that it is one thing for us as a community of believers here to say that our mission as a church is to help people get on the path to God. But I actually think it's something else for us as individuals to see that as our mission. That is something else for Jesse to see his mission as helping people get on the path to God, for you to see your mission as, hey, I'm here to help people get on the path to God. So I'd like to talk about that today. So if you brought your Bible or an electronic device with you, with version or some other app, go ahead and get it out. Go with me to Exodus chapter three. Today we're gonna be talking about Moses, and I'm gonna assume that most of us know who he is. He's really considered to be like one of the heroes of the Old Testament. And we're gonna talk about his story, but just so we get our minds right, I wanna kind of set up where we're at history-wise. So right now, the Israelites, God's people, God's nation, his children are being held as slaves in Egypt. And it's important to note that Egypt is the greatest superpower on the planet at this time. And Pharaoh, you know, the head honcho, he was the most powerful man on the planet. And Moses, who was an Israelite living as a slave, was so greatly burdened by the way his people were being treated. He wasn't okay that they were living as slaves. He knew that this was God's nation. This is not right, that we're living like slaves. And actually, we see in the opening chapters of Exodus, it bothered him so much that one day they were out working, and he saw an Egyptian man treating one of his fellow Israelites poorly. And you know what Moses did? He walked over there and wagged his finger and said, no, 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 Egyptian, bad. Some of you know the story. Moses went over there and killed that Egyptian. Did you know we teach our kids about a murderer? Moses killed somebody. Crazy. And so after that, Moses tries to cover up the murder. Of course, it doesn't work because Egypt is sand. And so he tried to hide the body and then the wind blew it away. And oh, that's awkward. Where'd that guy come from? And he flees to the wilderness literally for his life because he is wanted for murder. And that is where we pick up the story in Exodus chapter three, verse one. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. See, here's Moses out in the middle of the wilderness, right? Hanging out with some sheep all day, every day. Literally ran for his life out of Egypt. And we see in another passage that we're not going to read today that he's actually out there for 40 years. 40 years just hanging out with sheep. Super boring, super pointless life when all of a sudden he sees this bush that's on fire and isn't consumed. So he goes over and all of this happens because God has had a message for Moses. What was that message? Verse 7. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. 
So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians. You see, God set this moment up because he wanted to tell Moses, hey, I'm not okay with the way my people are living right now. I'm not okay that they're being treated poorly. I'm not okay that they're living as slaves. And again, Moses being someone who was super passionate, passion to the point of murder, would have been so overjoyed to hear this. I don't know if this is the way you read the Bible, but it's the way I read the Bible. I just imagine Moses like giant tree on fire, just rocky fists in the air. Like, yes, finally, God is doing something about this. He's come to rescue us. He's gonna overthrow Egypt. It's gonna be awesome. I'm gonna wear Pharaoh's crown. It's gonna be great. And then something weird happens. But before we get to that, I really feel like there's a part of us that should feel a little bit the way Moses felt. That there are people in our lives right now who are far from Jesus. And did you know the Bible explains our life before Christ the same way it uses slavery language? It says that we are slaves to sin. And so the same way Moses was bothered that his people, the people he loved, his friends, they were living like slaves I I think it should bother us, hopefully not to the point of murder, but it should bother us that there are people in our lives that are living without the hope and grace of Jesus that we have found. Because I think if we really believe what we say we believe, then it should bother us that people don't have that. You know, we released our first single, Found, a few weeks ago. Who's excited for the album release? Come on. But we released the song, Found, and I love the words to that song. You know, the chorus says, just to sit at your feet, Jesus, you are all I need. The bridge says, you are the treasure, you are the prize. I've searched for you my whole life. If we really believe those words are true, if we really believe that in all the things we've been searching for, really what we needed is found in Jesus, then it should bother us if people don't have it. It should bother us. I don't know, there are so many of us in here today that do feel that burden for a family member, for a friend, for a coworker you're close with, that we think about them all the time. Maybe it's a child of yours, maybe it's your spouse that you just, man, they're not on the path yet. They're not on the path and I'm, I'm worried about it. And so maybe what you need to hear today and what I need to hear for the friends that I have that I'm worried about is not, hey, we should feel burdened for them, we already do. But maybe we should just be reminded of what God said to Moses about the Israelites. He said, hey, I see them, and I'm concerned about them too. And I don't know about you, but that is reassuring to me, to be reminded that for as much as I care and as much as I am concerned, God's way more concerned than I could ever be. And so here's Moses, rocky fists in the air, just defeated Apollo Creed, right? Finally, the Israelites are going to be free, and then this happens. Verse 10, this is what God says. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Can you just imagine that for a second? Again, Moses super thrilled, super passionate. Yes, the Israelites. This has been wrong for so long, and finally it's going to be right. And then slowly, as God says, so now, Moses, you go. You go to Pharaoh. You know, Egypt, where you're wanted for murder, go back there. And you're going to be the one that's going to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. 
I just imagine him being like, me? God, there's, there's nobody else out here except me and some sheep. So, but I know you're not talking to me because I can't go back there. You don't, I've murdered somebody there. I can't go back there. And Moses' response is so similar to what I think a lot of our responses is when we hear sermons like this. When we hear, hey, you should talk to people about Jesus. Hey, you know, you can share your faith with people. Or, hey, you can invite people to church. We immediately say what Moses says in verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? That's, God, that's not what I do. I'm a shepherd. I'm not a priest. I'm not a pastor. I don't know how to talk well in front of people. You know, Moses gives all these reasons, right? He says, oh, I've never been eloquent, God. You know, I'm not good with words. I don't like attention. And I always love that because I relate to Moses in many ways because I'm probably the most introverted person you have ever met. Hate the spotlight, and yet here we are. (laughs) Moses said, well, who am I? And you know, all the reasons he gives and the excuses he gives and the excuses that we give, like, ah, you know, it'd be weird, you know, what would I say, you know? Like, hello, do you have a second to talk about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? (laughs) You know, it'd be weird. You know the rule, don't talk about politics or religion. What can I tell you? One of those rules is definitely out the window. So I think we'll be okay if maybe you talk to a friend about your faith. But I think the real reason is not the awkwardness, it's not what would I say, that's all real, but I really think what Moses' hang-up was and maybe what our hang-up is, is if I just put myself in the shoes of Moses, that I immediately go, God, you don't know what I did. God, I'm a killer, I'm a murderer. I'm I'm not the leader of your people. I'm out here with nobody, with sheep, for a reason. And I think our biggest hang-up, if we were to be real honest with ourselves, when it comes to sharing our faith, is not that it might be weird, but it's that we might look like hypocrites. Because how can I tell people about Jesus when I got a little too crazy at the Christmas party last year? Now you want to tell me about Jesus? Or, you know what, I... I really copped an attitude with Cindy last week, and you know, not, she deserved it, but still, I, but now I gotta tell her about Jesus? That, that doesn't work. And I think maybe we have this idea, and I don't know where it comes from, I got a theory, that in order to invite people to church or to share our faith, that we somehow or another need to feel like we're done, right? Like, well, I have arrived, I am a perfect Christian, and so now it's my job to go help all the little screw-ups. What? Maybe that's because maybe you had this experience in church when you were growing up or you've been around this where church wasn't a place that maybe you felt comfortable. Like maybe church was a place where you had to dress up, wear special clothes, right, your Sunday best, and you went and people talked differently there for no reason. Like, hello, blessings and peace to you, brother. (laughs) Back at you. You know, and, and, and that's fine. And that's fine, really it is. But for me at least, and maybe you have this experience, church did not feel like a place where I came as I was. Church was a place that I had to get it together, present a pretty package, and then I was allowed to go to church. Can I just tell you, that's not the Bible that I read. 
The Bible I read is about a perfect savior who came down to rescue a bunch of imperfect and broken people. And so now today as the church, we gather not as a people, bunch of people who have it figured out. We are just a bunch of people who have found out who has it figured out. I remember being in uh, college and in a class about this. The fancy church word for this is called evangelism. Maybe you've heard that before. And the professor of that class said something that has really stuck with me ever since, and I, and I hope it sticks with you, because for me it was almost paradigm shifting. And what he said was, you know, sharing Jesus with people is not, hey, I've got it figured out, you need to get it figured out, so how about I show you how to do that? But sharing Jesus with people is just one beggar showing another beggar where to find bread. It's just one beggar showing another beggar where to find the bread. And that's what this is. We're just a bunch of beggars that have found bread at the feet of Jesus. And so now it's our responsibility to go to the people in our lives, at our work, in our family that are hungry and starving and say, you need bread? I found it. Can I take you to where it is? Oh, you're living without hope? Yeah, I understand, I was too. But I found where the hope is. Can I show you where it is? Hey, you're living in some brokenness. Listen, I was too, and I'm still working on it, but I found the healer. Can I show you where he is? Can I talk to you about him? Can I share that with you? See, the church was never meant to be this museum where we all come and look prim and proper, and that's, woohoo! I'm a good Christian boy today. No, it's meant to be a hospital where sick and broken people come and sit at the feet of the healer. Moses's perfection was never a prerequisite for him to be used by God. So why is it for us? It's not. And that's further proven by what happens next. You know, Moses says, well, who am I? I that, that, God, I don't, I'm a murderer. Or God, I, man, I just, I can't, I can't do it. It's not me. God's response to that, he almost ignores it. Moses says, well, who am I? God says this. In verse 12, God says to Moses, I'll be with you. It has nothing to do with Moses. We claim Moses as this big hero, and yes, God used him to do incredible ways, but in reality, this right here shows us it was actually God doing it the whole time. Moses is just who he chose to use. So why couldn't he choose you? Why couldn't he use me? After all of his excuses, Moses asks him one more question. He gives all these excuses. God, I've never been eloquent. God, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. God, I can't. It's, it's Pharaoh. I'm literally wanted for murder. What am I gonna do? Send somebody else, pick somebody else. That's not me. And finally, Moses asks one more question. And I think it's actually a really good question. Moses asks, well, what if they don't listen to me? What if they don't hear what I'm saying? What if they don't believe me? which I think is a pretty good question because imagine tomorrow you go to the office and the person you share a cubicle with goes, hey, this weekend, crazy, gotta tell you a story. I was out in the middle of nowhere, right? Pitch black and then all of a sudden I saw this bush that was on fire, but it like stayed on fire, it was crazy. And then I went over to it and it just stayed on fire some more and then you'll never believe God started talking to me out of the bush. You'd be like, yeah, I know what kind of bush that was. I know where you were this weekend. I think it's a good question. 
But again, God almost ignores it. And I wonder if, I wonder if God almost ignores, not that he doesn't care, but almost ignores our little excuses. Like, well, God, I don't, I, what am I gonna say? What am, I, I don't know, I don't know all the right words. I don't, I don't know scripture very well. I don't even know how to exegete a passage or what that word even means. And what does God say to Moses in response to all these questions? And maybe what does God say to us in response to all our hangups when it comes to telling people about him, telling, him, telling people about the greatest news we've ever heard? God answers his question with a question. He says this, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? And so Moses, out in the middle of nowhere with some sheep and his staff, says, staff? God says, okay, well, I'll use that. Throw it on the ground. Moses throws it on the ground. It becomes a snake right in front of him, snake. And God says, pick it back up. He reaches down, picks it back up, becomes a staff again. God says, okay, well, show him that. That'd be pretty hard to argue with. That's not what it says, but... That's what it says. And so I wonder, what does that mean for me? Because I'm not even a shepherd and I don't have a staff. So what do I have? What's in my hand? What's in your hand? Reminds me of the old Capital One commercial. What's in your wallet? And I've been thinking about this, and I think the answer is actually really easy. What's in your hand? What's in my hand? It's not a staff. It's not a snake. It's your story. It's your story. Listen, most of us in here can't explain theology and know all this stuff about harmaludics and homonetics, and I could have made up those words for all you know, right? I probably didn't say them right. That's fine, because can I be honest? Logic and reason and argumentative conversation has never changed anybody's heart. What changes people's hearts is when they can see the way God has changed your heart in the way that your life is. You know, I've seen this in my own life, that I was uh, a rebellious teenager who had grown up in a Christian home, went to a Christian school, went to churches, Everything I did was Christian, and yet I just was not interested. I was your stereotypical rebel without a cause. And I was like, ah, church is dumb. I go there and meet girls, which is why I love doing youth ministry now. You know, it's for weak people. I can do life on my own. 16-year-old who pays no bills and doesn't have a job. And then one day, I... I started to hang out with some people that were Christians and did follow Jesus. And they started to tell me about what their life was like following Jesus. And they explained things differently. And when they explained like, hey, their life is actually different. It piqued my curiosity because in a moment, I realized that one of two things is true. Either they are nuts or this is real. They're nuts, or this is real. And when I started hearing it from friends that I knew weren't crazy, I thought, well, maybe there's something here. 
And listen, it wasn't in that moment I dropped to my knees and said, Lord, you have my life. But that's definitely when I started asking questions. And my curiosity was piqued. So what's in your hand? You have a story in your hand. You have a story about how God has changed your life. You have a story about what your life was like before God and what it's like now. That doesn't mean it's perfect. Again, perfection's never part of this equation. You've got a story about how God showed up in your life in a miraculous way that you really don't know how to explain other than, well, it was God. Tell people that. You can do that. Do you believe that? I know so many of us disqualify ourselves, but please hear me today. You can do that. You can. And you know, one of the other things that's in your hand is, we've talked about it already, but you are a part of a community that's all about helping people get on the path to God. And did you know that you've actually experienced how this impacts the way we do ministry in a number of ways? That the reason we'll do big fun events, like at the movies, which is right around the corner, is not just because it's fun, which it is fun, we're gonna have a great time, it's gonna be awesome. But we do that because we know that there are people in your life and people in my life that if we said, hey, why don't you come to church with us? They're like, nope, don't thanks. But if you were to say, hey, my church, I know you're not a church person, it's all good. My church is doing this really different thing. You've never seen anything like this in church before, I promise. We're like watching a movie and we're gonna have popcorn and there's gonna be fun stuff for the kids to do. It's gonna be great, your whole family's gonna love it. Why don't you just come check it out? That we've seen that a lot more people are willing to do that than just come to church. And that's why we do it. So when you came in today, you should have been handed um, an invite to at the movies. And if you've got that handy, go ahead and grab it out if you put it in your pocket or shoved it in your purse or whatever. And we're actually gonna have some ushers walk around. Um, if you didn't grab one, maybe flag one of them down. I'd love for everybody to have one handy for a second. And you know what's so funny about this is um, I hope you know that when we give you invites to stuff like this, it's not that we're inviting you to come to this because we assume you're gonna be there already, because you're gonna hear about it in an announcement, you'll see it on social media, whatever, that we actually give these to you because we anticipate you giving them to somebody else in your life who right now is far from God. And so with that invite, I wanna ask you a question. What's in your hand? I'm sure nobody saw that coming. But what's in your hand? Can I tell you, at the risk of sounding a little too spiritual and a little over-pastory, that this simple little invite that you have and I have can change somebody's life, can change a whole family's life. And I'm not saying that just as Pastor Jesse. I've seen that happen in my life. I've seen it happen with my own eyeballs. A few years ago, uh, I was serving as youth director here and we were having a fun event. And I had a talk with the youth group one night, just like this one, where I made invites, they were cool, nothing special, right? Just had, looked cool and had the information on them and I gave them to the youth group and I said, hey, listen, I want you to take these to school with you and I want you to pray about a couple of friends that I want you to invite because the whole reason we're gonna do this fun little bonfire event is because maybe some of your friends are a little weary of church, I get it, Bring them to this fun event. It's not at the church. And maybe they'll see that church people can be normal and can be fun. And maybe they'll like being here. And so maybe they'll start coming back and you never know what could happen after that. Well, there was one girl in our group who took that to heart. 
Who took it seriously? She took three invites, three invites about this size. Took them to school and invited three of her friends to this little bonfire event we were having. And they came, all three of them came. And they were a little bit, you know, standoffish. What are these weird people that keep talking about this Jesus person, what, what, whatever. But by the end of the night, they seemed a little more comfortable. They saw that we weren't weird and snakes weren't gonna come out at some point and we weren't gonna do like a blood pact or something weird. We were just hanging out. And I was so thrilled that they came. I'm like, man, I don't, I don't know if they'll ever come back, but at least maybe we got to shift their perspective a little bit. Maybe they can see that church people can at least be normal and cool and you know, not weird them out and not be super judgy. But I was thrilled when the next week at a normal high school night, they came back. They came to just church. And then the next week, they came back again. And then the next week, they came back again. And then all of a sudden, they were just a part of our group. I still really wasn't sure what they thought about Jesus. I was pretty sure I knew that they weren't interested in that, but they were having fun and they felt a part of a community. And so I was thrilled. And then it came time for us to go to Passion Camp. And all three of them signed up. Again, I'm pretty confident we're not following Jesus at that point. But I was like, hey, they're going to camp. So awesome. And then there was one night at camp. I'll never forget it. It was one of the evening sessions and I was sitting kind of up at the top of our section and they were like three or four rows down in front of me. And the speaker that night was sharing the gospel with the kids. It was so good. Jesus loves you. He wants good things for your life. He loves you. He doesn't care about what you've done. He wants to take you as you are and he loves you. And if you right now want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, I want you to stand to your feet. And church, let me tell you, all three of those kids shot up out of their seat. And you know what? The story's not even done yet. Because then the next Sunday at church, they were so hyped from camp, they wouldn't shut up, that some of their families started coming to church with them the very next Sunday. And then you know what else? Then the family started to fall in love with it. So then the rest of the family that wasn't coming yet started coming. And then some of those families started serving together. And then you know what? Two months after camp, I got to baptize all three of those kids. It's incredible. But can I just remind you that all of that was set in motion with one of these? All of that was set in motion by what's in your hand. Would you stand to your feet with me? I'm gonna close here in a second, but I really wanna take a second, because I really believe in this message. And I really believe that we are on the edge of something special. I believe that God is gonna use each of us in these simple little invites to set some people free. And so I hope there's been a name come to your mind, there's a face that you're seeing that Man, I feel, like, I feel like they're the one. I feel like they're the one I'm supposed to invite. I wanna take a second and pray for them. Before we do that, can we just imagine for a second with some faith? Can you imagine? Let's just imagine with faith that you step out in a little bit of courage, you get a little bold, and you do invite them, and they're receptive, and they come, and they enjoy it. That was interesting. Never been a part of something like that. So they come back the next week, and the next week. And then before you know it, it's time for us to celebrate a baptism just like we did earlier today and they're the one getting baptized. Do you know that's possible? Can I just build your faith today? 
that's possible for the person you're thinking about. And that you will be right there by the tank, celebrating with tears in your eyes, saying, I got to be the one that helped them get on the path to God. And my perfection wasn't part of it. I'm just thankful that I get to be a staff in God's hands. So if you got that invite, I'd love for you to hold it. Maybe think about the person that you're going to invite. I'm going to pray. God, we just thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for who you are to us. God, that you loved us so much to track us down, to chase us, to find us. God, we thank you for your love and your grace and the way it is transforming us even now. God, in this moment, we just lift up the people in our lives, God, that are far from you right now. And God, we ask you, use us. God, maybe right now, it's a burning bush kind of moment for us in this room that we hear the words, so now go. And God, that you would use us, you go with us. We don't go on our own authority, but we go on the authority of who sent us. And God, we trust that you are the one that's truly gonna rescue them and we just get to play a part. And God, we believe in faith for the way you are going to move in their lives. God, we thank you, we love you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. Amen. Amen, amen. Do you receive that today? Thanks so much for tuning in to this message. I hope that it encouraged you and inspired your faith. If God is doing something in your life, would you take a moment and let us know? We wanna connect with you and we wanna be able to pray for you. All you have to do is shoot us an email to hello at the x.church or you can always send us a DM on one of our social media platforms. And if you know somebody that would also be encouraged by this very message, why not take a moment and just share it with them right now? And as always, I want to say thank you to every single person who so generously financially supports this ministry so we can continue to get messages like these out to people all over the world. We believe God is building something special and you're a significant part of it. Until next time, have a great day.